Hello and welcome to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast with me, Steph Fairbairn. This is where we take a deep dive into the challenges and opportunities faced by those who coach in the women's game. This podcast accompanies the August issue of Women's Soccer Coaching Magazine, which is available to subscribers right now. July was, of course, a momentous occasion for women's soccer, with a record-breaking Women's European Championships taking place in England. On that theme, Carly Farrell, FA mentor and technical coach, features in our August issue, discussing what the success of the England team can mean for the future of female coaches in the UK. Elsewhere, Alice Harkness Armstrong, a lecturer in performance analysis at the University of Essex, delves into technical characteristics of elite female youth soccer. Holly Babbitt, a grassroots director and Canada soccer coach developer, looks at the five C's of coaching. And Joe O'Sullivan, head of women's football and manager of JSSL Women, shares his thoughts on attention to detail in session planning. And we hear about the Goal 5 Summit, increasing opportunities for female coaches in Uganda. Of course, on top of all that, we also have the usual session plans and practices to inspire you. Our main interview, though, is an exclusive with Aston Villa women manager Carla Ward, and she's also our podcast guest. I caught up with her to talk about her thoughts on England's victory in the Euros, Villa's upcoming campaign, and what it takes to successfully rebuild a squad. Carla, welcome to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast. There's probably only one place to start because uh, we're recording the morning after the Lionesses won the Euros. And I guess I want to ask you just, can you sum up what it means to you and what it means to women's football as you see it? Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's probably the first time I've properly got excited about um, an England national team. And, you know, I'm, every single summer men's or women's year, there's that hope and anticipation, but you never fully get excited, um, probably because you know that you know the uh, the outcome, um, how and how it usually ends. And I think going into this tournament was probably the first time I was properly excited because Serena's come in and done an unbelievable job. Um, you know, really put women's football in this country on a map. And you know, a lot of people are talking about why why there's been such a success. And I really think that you know Serena's played a huge part in that. So. Yeah, this morning there's a sense of pride, you know, even just going down for breakfast this morning is is something that you're quite happy about because people people are talking about it, everyone's talking about it, the whole country, every timeline you go on to, um, it's, it's only a good time to be in a women's game. And I know you've got a player in the squad in Hannah Hampton, obviously um, you coach her at Birmingham too, Jill Scott was in, on loan with you for part of last season and I think it's probably something every coach dreams of you know, coaching players that then go on to achieve success at, at those heights. Um, how does it feel to see them be part of the winning squad? Oh, massive. But um, yeah, there's a sense of pride. Uh, absolutely, there is. But um, I think the bigger picture here is just how big this possible moment can be. Um, but now I think it's all about, you know, using those moments to kick on and hopefully Hannah comes back in, you know, with a... <laughs> With a with a hunger and a desire to go again, and I think that'll be really important. I think the the, the twenty what twenty three players that have achieved what they've achieved, it's now making sure that <clears throat> we use this as a legacy. We use this to drive the women's game. We use this to increase attendances, and um, you know because we know that we can. I think statistics come out last week around 
sort the ages. A lot of young, young, young girls and boys out there. We need to get them to games now because they're essentially the future generation of what's going to fill stadiums. Yeah, and I guess building on that, all of us that have followed women's football for a long time have seen the ups and downs. And I know you've been involved in a lot of clubs that have had funding pulled or they've folded or all all sorts has, has gone on. And do you think it's really on us now to capitalise, I guess, on the momentum from these Euros and make sure that we stabilise women's football and, and make sure that that stuff stops happening or happens a lot less frequently? Yeah, 100%. But I think that's really important that we do stabilise it and not go and not you know, move too quickly. Um, you know, we're there's clubs are funding a lot of good clubs are funding um the WSL teams really, really well. Yes, there's still an element where there's clubs that need to do more, of course. Um, but I think it's the stabilizing comes both sides, I think, making sure that you're not going and throwing too much money at it too quickly and making sure that you build strong foundations that these things don't happen. I mean, I'm very, very fortunate to be at a football club like Aston Villa that do things um, in a really good way, uh, in a sustainable way and, and allow you to build foundations and build in the right way so you can then be sustainable eventually. Um, but I think that's going to be really important, particularly on the back of this, because we all know that, you know, it could it could rifle quite quickly, um, but it's making sure that we, um, we work in an efficient way that we can ensure... Um, that the women's game stays stabilised, I guess is probably the word. So talking more about you as a coach, um, I guess what is it that has kept you in the game for so long amongst all of those challenges? What is it that you love so much about coaching? I just love the game. I love making a difference every day. I love walking through the door, knowing that we can help and improve players and people every single day. And it's not just about making them better players. It's developing them as people as well. And I'm a people person, as many people know. So I think that's that's a really important aspect of the game because if you can get um, you can get players playing with a smile on the face, you usually get more out of them. But ultimately, it's the game, the game we all love. You know, it's, it's, it is a love-hate. You've got to make sure that you don't get too highs and high and too lows and low, which is easily said because, you know, these moments right now is probably exactly that. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's just a love, love of the game, a love for wanting to improve um, players, wanting to improve people, um, and also wanting to make a difference for the for the young generation that are coming through. I've got a three year old daughter that loves the game, so making sure that we continue to to um, provide a platform for those young people um, to come into the game. And I think all the things you've said, we've kind of seen you do that um, at Sheffield. You know, you did a brilliant job with them, led them to their highest championship finish. Obviously at Birmingham, um, they just avoided relegation. And then you came in, you got nominated for WSL Manager of the Year. And then now at, at Villa, you've kind of doubled the number of wins in, in the season that you took over. So when you're taking on, I guess, a new project or a new role, how do you go about approaching that? Um, I think each one's been different. I think the Chef United one initially, I was... Um, it was, do I hang my boots or do I not? And when I got a call from the chairman asking for help with a women's team and help for direction, it was one of those, if I didn't if I didn't take it at that moment, knowing I probably only had a few months left playing, <clears throat> then I potentially uh, might have lost that opportunity. That was the first one. Then the Blues one was a really interesting one because every single person I spoke to said, don't do it. Um, everybody said, you know, don't go there. Um, it's, it's not going to be good for you. And... You know, obviously I'd heard an awful lot about what was going on behind the scenes. Um, and then one day I sat in the garden speaking to a friend and and I said, 
you know, it's 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 a win-win for me because you know everyone thinks we're going to get relegated. So going there and I keep them up, I potentially make a name for myself, and I do learn and develop. Um, I get my foot in the door in the WSL, and and I learn very quickly. Um, or you know, I go there, I keep them up. Yeah, sorry, I go there, I keep them up, I make my name for myself. Or we get relegated, and everyone thinks we're going to get relegated. So the writing was on the wall, and I love a challenge. So. Um, yeah, I, I must honestly admit there wasn't a single person that said do it. Um, I think it was quite the opposite. Um, but yeah, once I had a final call with my agent, I said, look, this could be this could be massive for me. I could really have a, a year of learning no matter what happens. I could learn and develop. Um, and I had a belief in myself that I could try and make a difference. So I did. Um, we went and got a group of players that the idea was we knew we didn't have the money. So we had to go and find players that um, had a point to prove, players that had been told no. Uh, we actually called ourselves the Misfits, which was great because they were just a group of individuals that wanted to prove everyone wrong. Um, and I think we did that. And I think that actually we got um, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of following for that group of players last year. Why? Because they left everything out there and they wore their heart on the sleeves and they were an unbelievable bunch to work with. So that was that was unbelievable. It was tough walking away from that because um, it it became family. Um, but then ultimately, when a club like Aston Villa comes calling, um, a club with such history and and a real passion for the women's game, um, and a CEO that was so passionate about the women's game, it was impossible to turn down. Um, so then, obviously, very quickly, I, I took that job, and and here I am now, a year on. Uh, enjoyed every minute. I'm not going to lie. I think it's been brilliant. It's been tough. There's been a lot of challenges, um, but but really good challenges and challenges that only can make us better. Um, but I believe in the project. We've got an unbelievable project going on, and um, yeah, looking forward to what's next. And just picking up on what you've you've done with with some of the players, and I'm referencing this because I speak to a lot of coaches that say when they're coaching whether it's grassroots girls, they have to do a lot of work on girls' confidence and getting girls to go for it and, and all of that. And obviously you've come into situations where you've maybe had to build up players' confidence and really build a, a team spirit. How, how have you gone about doing that? And I guess how have you managed balancing that with also a really tough kind of tactical coaching aspect and firefighting everything else that's going on? Yeah, I think I think investing in too much people, I think that's one of the things that... Um, I would like to think is probably a strength of mine in understanding people. Um, so I think that first and foremost, what makes them tick? You know, what's hurt them? What's their driver? Where do they want to get to and why? And I think understanding them, what they like, not just on the pitch, what they do off the pitch, what they do in their spare time. And I suppose just investing into them as people because ultimately then um, if they can see you care, then ultimately you've got more chance of getting more out of them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, but um, particularly when there's other bits and pieces going on. But if you can create create a unity, they'll always look after each other. And just going back to that decision you made to go to Birmingham and you said no one, no one said go. Um, I think coaching journey is something everyone talks about a lot. And, and obviously coaches are always making decisions, you know, should I stay at this club? Should I go elsewhere? Should I prioritise getting this badge? Should I do this? What... What would you say to coaches that are trying to figure out what their path is, maybe about backing themselves and how they make those decisions? I think you have to look at where you want to get to and ultimately understand if that move is going to be a step in getting to where you want to get to. 
because so many people, um, like somebody asked me the other day, uh, I won't say what job, but someone asked me, would I be interested in a certain job? And I said, no, because I'm, I'm not there yet. And I think that you have to take steps in your journey to, to get there. Um, the flip side of that is obviously I want to be at Aston Villa for the next 10 years and I want to build a legacy here. Um, but I think it's really important when you make those decisions that you really um, sort of have a look at where you want to get to. How are you going to get there? Is this going to help me get there? And if it is, then I think this is a no-brainer, no matter how hard it's going to be. So let's talk a bit more about Villa. Um, yeah. Obviously, like you said, one season in charge. And I know you did quite a big rebuild at the start of that that season. Can you talk us through a bit more what you were, I guess, what you were looking for in terms of character when you brought all those players in? Yeah, I think we needed experience. I think there's a lot of championship players still there. Um, and I think it was really important that we brought in experienced players. Um, and, and I think we did that. Now, obviously, we, there's still a, a number, a couple of players that we needed to bring in. Um, I feel like we're, we're on the right track now to doing that. Um, but ultimately, it was um, one, experience, and two, to develop the current playing squads. Could we get in players that were going to bring competition in every area? And I think we did that really well. I really do. Um, we, we obviously struggled to to get a, a number nine and we managed to get one on the last day of the window. Um, then obviously she had a really tough season with injuries and COVID and whatever else. So that was a bit of a tough one and a bit of a spanner in the works. But um, that's football. Yeah, and the season as a whole, I guess, what was your analysis of it? And also you've just said, you know, you want to spend a, a decade at Villa. Was it kind of the initial building block of a season to then lead to more? Yeah, 100%. I mean, what we want and what actually happens are two different things. You know what it's like in football. I'm well aware of the way that the industry works. Um, but ultimately, we last year had to improve on the year before. We did that. Um, we did that at a fairly early stage. Um, am I happy with last season? No, I'm not. Um, I feel like we, you know, we dominated games after Christmas. We created an awful lot of opportunity. We couldn't score goals, which... Um, was a really, really big problem for us because we found ourselves playing a, a re- in a really good way and the fans could see that. Um, but ultimately, it was just that inf- that that final third that hurt us. But um, yes, from a club point of view, we were probably happy with improving. Um, but we were, if I'm being honest, we were disappointed because we felt there was points that we should have picked up where we didn't pick up. So now, obviously... I think five weeks away from from 2022-23 season kickoff. Um, yeah, where are you at? What's preparation looking like? How's it going? Yeah, good. It's been a really, really weird. Um, it's been a really weird pre-season naturally because of the Euros. So um, we've had sort of different numbers in quite a lot. I think post Euros now we'll, we'll have um, you know a couple more that depending on when this goes out might have been announced, may not have been announced. Um, so there might be, um, so obviously we should have everyone back in within a couple of weeks, which will be really good, really positive. Um, and I think that's going to be really important. And obviously there's a lot of lot of pre-season going on right now. Um, sometimes as coaches, I feel like we don't really get a break massively, but is it really important for you to have had a break and make sure that you're kind of taking care of yourself ready for the next season? Yeah, I think from a mental point of view, as well as a physical point of view, it's really important that you get out of the building and, you focus and you get a little bit of time with your family and you switch off. And I've done exactly that, to be honest. So, um, yeah, but I'm ready. You know, we're, we're ready to go again. Um, it's been a really good preseason so far. 
So it's just now about the final little bits and pieces, um, get everyone back in and get ready for that first day of the season. And maybe for coaches listening to this that might aspire to, I guess, be in a position like yours, um, that's, it's probably a really hard one for you to answer, but what does it feel like, I suppose, coaching coaching in the WSL, standing on those that touchline on a, on a Sunday? I love it. It's pressure. I love pressure. Um, but I think pre- pressure is a privilege and I think that, Every single day you get to walk out there, the feeling is unbelievable on a Sunday. It's very different to being a player, of course. Um, but every single WSL match day that I walk onto the touchline, I love it. I love it. I really do. It's something that um, drives me. It's something that we you know, we work towards day in, day out to make sure that we're ready by the weekend. But look, I think for me, it's the best league in the world. It's, it's a league that is forever getting better. It's a league that you know, is, is only going to keep getting better and it's a league that I want to be in for a very, very long time. So, yeah, you uh, you can't take anything for granted though in the, in, the, in football and you've got to make sure that you do, um, you probably work every day like it's your last because it could be um, and I think it's really important that you give absolutely everything because you never know when that journey might end. You mentioned obviously your playing days there. We did we did an issue recently talking to coaches that were transitioning or had, had transitioned out of playing and are the highs the same as when you were playing? Does it? What do the successes feel like? Is it similar or is it different? It's very different. As a player, you really go and enjoy it. and um, You do as a manager, but I think you quickly think, um, you quickly think, right, how can we now utilise this to keep going and make, you know, keep making things better? So it's a very, very different uh, feel. Um <laughs> It's quite funny because we talk about don't get too highs in the high and don't get too low in the lows. I I would say I don't get high in the highs, but I probably get low in the lows. Um, and and that, maybe that's most people. Um, but I think that it's, um, <clears throat> as a manager, it's very different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, a completely different, you kind of don't enjoy it as much. Okay, so final question and kind of looping us back around to the start, I guess. But for all the coaches listening to this across various levels that are in pre-season getting ready to go into next season and have probably got that extra bit of excitement thanks to the win yesterday um what's your message to them for the for the next season be obsessed um don't don't miss you know don't leave any stone unturned you know where you want to get to so make, make sure you're doing everything that you possibly can i think there's um you know sometimes there's the idea that you can get somewhere without the the bits in between. But for me, you've got to do every aspect of the job. Go out there, coach, try and manage, try and try and manage up, um, try and deal with players of all ages, of all experiences, have difficult conversations, um, do all those things, step outside your comfort zone. I think that's the big one for me, step outside your comfort zone. And, um, and, and I think that's the way to develop because I think it's the hard times and the questions that you're being asked are those that's what's going to help you develop to move forward. That was Carla Ward of Aston Villa. Thanks to Carla for her time and insights. Don't forget, the August issue of Women's Soccer Coaching is available now to subscribers. Visit womensoccercoaching.com to subscribe. I'm Seth Erben. Thanks for listening to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast.